0: Good afternoon you and welcome to Thursday's program. I hope you're well. It's Scorchio here in Salford, Scorchio 28 degrees Celsius. It's been a lovely warm afternoon and a beautifully bright day This is the last time we'll talk on this program for a few weeks. Don't panic, I'll tell you more later on. But in the meantime, let's do Thursday's programme.
1: It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford.
2: It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now... Here's your host, Richie
0: Allen. Yes, welcome. Now, if you'd like to make a contribution to the program, if you've got an opinion, please share it with me via the Richie Allen Show app. Please download, please rate, rate, rate me, or leave it via the website richieallen.co.uk. I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on anything at all. Whether it's uh, some of the things being discussed or something else entirely. It is the 10th of August, 2023. And finally, a little slice of summer has arrived in Salford. Finally. Because it's been dreadful, hasn't it? Yes. Are you going to waste uh, time? Are you valuable time talking about the weather? No, I'm not. Maybe a little bit later on, in fact. Well, in fact, we might talk climate in a moment. Uh, Richard Branson or Virgin Space, what's the company called? Virgin Galactic, that's right, rocket plane. A mum and daughter have become the first mother-daughter duo to reach the edge of space on, on a Virgin Galactic rocket plane. They were joined by a guy called John Goodwin. John is 80, a former Olympic canoeist, and he's got Parkinson's. God love him. He bought the ticket back in 2005 for a quarter of a million dollars, but he has no recollection. It's a terrible gag. Don't do that. No, no, park it's the other one. Yeah, I know. I'm not mixing up Parkinson's with, with, uh, with, with Alzheimer's or dementia. Maybe I was. No, I wasn't. Anyway, so the three of them went up there. You have to be out of your mind to get on any contraption that has Richard Branson's logo on it. I mean, have they not seen the numerous crashes that nearly killed Richard Branson over the years in those balloon capsule things that he used to get in. He's a madman, isn't he, Richard Branson? I wouldn't take a lift off of Richard Branson in his limousine, to be honest. But uh, they went up anyway, and they have been filmed in zero gravity. And when they come down, God bless them, they'll confirm that the earth really is round. There is a curvature there. And maybe all the flat earthers will just go away. And leave us all alone. You're stirring the shite there, Bolly. You are. I am. I am. <laughs> I, I am. Because it's what it's what I do. It matters not. To me, in any case. Can we have a minute's silence for the girls of Kuwait and the girls of Lebanon? No. Minute's silence doesn't work too well on the radio, does it not? Fair enough. Um, why? Well, the Barbie film has been banned in Kuwait. And it faces calls for t- to be banned in Lebanon amid criticism in the Arab world of the social values of the movie. Yes, that's absolutely right. The blockbuster um, is being shown in some conservative countries in the region, including Saudi Arabia, the sellouts. So, Kuwait has basically acted to protect, quote, public ethics, end quote. That's according to the country's news agency, the state news agency. And Lebanon's culture minister accused the film of promoting homosexuality. Does it? Have any of you, dear listeners, been dragged to the Cineplex this summer to watch Barbie with your young children, have you? I'm told it's not the worst film of all time. To, I, I actually have been told that by somebody whose opinion I used to respect went to see it and said, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, Richie. What's the worst thing you've ever seen, I asked. And they said a film which came out in the 1980s simply entitled Water, which I remember because I was taken to see it myself. It was absolutely cack. So it was. Um. Yeah, so the film has grossed over a billion dollars worldwide within weeks of its release. But um, lastly, al Subai and i've pronounced that correctly who's the head of kuwait's board of film classification said that usually the board asks for movie scenes deemed to be you know to be unsuitable scenes which flout the country's culture to be cut but when they promote behavior the the state thinks is unacceptable they are banned outright now the kuwaiti ministry of information how lovely how deliciously dystopian Says the film promulgates ideas and beliefs that are alien to Kuwaiti society and to public order. Nobody's had, nobody's had, um, nobody's asked Ryan Gosling or Margot Robbie for a comment as of yet. Um, So the Lebanese Culture Minister Mohammed Mortada he asked the Interior Ministry to take all necessary measures to ban Barbie. That's a quote. All measures necessary. Anything you need to do to stop people seeing this film. He says it promotes homosexuality, and this is a quote, transsexuality. It supports rejecting a father's guardianship. It undermines and ridicules the role of the mother, and it questions the necessity of marriage and having a family. So it's a terrible film apparently, and it's being banned. It's being banned. So it has. God be with the days when a film was banned, and at least you could make an argument for banning it. Not that I agree with banning films, I do not. Just in case my director-producer friend Hayden Hewitt is listening, Hayden at one time led campaigns when he was a younger man to prevent films being banned in the UK. Films like Man Bites Dog, do you remember that? The satirical mockumentary about a man going on a rampage around France, or Belgium I think it was. Even before that, we had The Driller Killer. We had I Spit on Your Grave. And all it did, really, was drove people to watch those films by hook or by crook. I remember as a young lad in the 1980s, b- b- friends of mine growing up in Ballybeg and later on growing up in Brown's Ro- on Browns Road, there was always a mate who could get you a copy of it, you know. Richie, we've got uh, The Driller Killer. We've got uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Richie, and then you, you watch it and you, you see it's really not that horrific or disturbing to begin with. So yeah, Barbie won't be shown anytime soon in Kuwait or Lebanon. But the Saudis, well, they've sold their souls and they're showing it in Saudi Arabia. Maybe kids can take a school trip to, I don't know, to Saudi Arabia. It's seven minutes past the hour. It's a Thursday's Richie Allen show. Let me talk about something uh, a wee bit more serious than the banning of Barbie the banning of Barbie. Now, the Irish Farmers Journal has conducted research and has found that 72% of farmers would support a new farmers political party if one was was set up. Now, some of us know our history and we know there used to be a farmers party in Ireland in days of yore. Now, the president of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association... Fantastic, eh? (laughs) I wonder, was there an election for that position? Was there an internal election to be the president of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association? Anyway, the guy's name is Pat McCormick. And he said that any support for a farming political party would not be anti-green, it would be anti-government. So the farmers are up in arms... Because they fear they are going to be squeezed and squeezed and squeezed in the name of saving the world from the dreaded climate change. They're fed up, are the farmers. They've, they've, they've managed to reduce emissions by 25%. But, um, well, that's not good enough, really. You know, there's f- fears amongst the farming community, you know, who like to just have a cup of tea at the end of the day because they spend so much time on the farm that dairy farming and beef farming is going to be outlawed eventually in the name of saving the world for St. Greta Thunberg. So they were asked if there is an anti-government agenda going on here. The farmers, why don't you just vote for Sinn Féin? Mr. McCormick, the president of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, he said, um, no, we just don't like some of Sinn Féin's policies. why would they vote for Sinn Féin? Sinn Féin is as it is completely climate change captured, isn't it, Sinn Fein, as far as I understand? Anyway, this story about the possibility of a new farmers' party was covered by the national media in Ireland today. Now, News Talk is a national radio station in Ireland. We have lampooned News Talk on this programme before. So they started the press this morning. Now, you know, in soccer, got to say soccer for our Irish listeners, when you don't have the ball, your forwards should start the press. Football teams, they like to press, you know, squeeze the opposition, pin them back, push them back towards their own goal. In this case, push them back towards their farms. Get back in your farmhouses now. Well, the Irish media acts in lockstep. It's no different than the media in the UK or France or anywhere else, right? Every radio station, every TV station is pushing the same message. That's why we say lockstep. So the farmers are fed up and they might run candidates. News talk started the press that's not not the media press. The press pushed them back. The anti-farmer propaganda began on News Talk this morning. You will hear two presenters, Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. And this is interesting. Kira, there's an interesting survey in the Irish Farmers' Journal today.
3: There is. New research from the Irish Farmers' Journal shows that three in four farmers would support a new farmers' political party if it was to emerge. There's been a lot of talk about this. We've heard from Rural TDs, the independent rural group. Shane, we've heard from Mike Fitzmaurice. He wants to have a rural party. This may happen, and it looks like it may happen. And I understand very much why uh, I think this may happen, because I do believe... That farmers and a lot of people in rural Ireland believe that their whole way of life, that people are coming for their way of life, that the culling of the herd, the moving away from dairy, the changing of the land, the rewetting I I, I think they feel genuinely under threat. and that
0: Yeah, well, they've just seen what's happened in Holland, you see. Their
3: concerns have not been listened to. And if you look at the support that they have for all of the main political parties, not just the the government parties, but also the opposition. There's very little support for any of them there.
0: Yeah, the farmers are fed up with politicians in Ireland because, as she said, they fear that politicians acting at the behest of or acting on behalf of the globalist Great Reset agenda, farmers believe that they're going to be put out of business and they're right to feel that way because that's what is planned for them.
3: Um, So I think rural Ireland, and I think the farmers in general, feel quite disenfranchised. And we've seen the success maybe in the Netherlands of similarly disenfranchised rural farming groups. And this looks like it's something that could happen.
0: Yeah. Now this is Shane Coleman. This guy is as thick as pig muck. Listen to this guy.
4: And look, I mean, first off, we live in a democracy. Anybody is entitled to stand. Anybody is entitled to vote for who they want. So... But just to say that at the outset, but I, I'm personally, I, I don't think it would be a good thing for Ireland. I don't think actually it would be a good thing for farmers in the long term. It
0: wouldn't be a good thing for Ireland
4: or for farmers if the farmers made their own political party. Why not change uh, uh, to have uh, such a party? Because let's let's call this what it is. It, this is going to be an anti-green party.
0: Ah, there's the propaganda. There's the press. You see, uh, th- there's Harry Kane. There, there's Mo Salah. There's the press. Start the bullshit. It's an anti-green agenda. No, the farmer said it isn't an anti-green agenda. It's um, basically a a way to push back against policies that are destroying agriculture in this country. Not anti-green at all. It's a way of preserving our way of life, a way of life that has endured for thousands and thousands of years. You know, we grow stuff, you know, and we provide that stuff for the for the populace to eat and it sustains them. And that's how it's always been and that's how it always should be. But there's the propaganda, there's the press. Call it an anti-Green agenda. Uh, and there is a yeah. narrative out there. A
4: narrative. That um, M. You know, the Greens are out to get uh, rural Ireland. Like, but they fucking are. Like, it's not a plus against, what's happening at the moment is not a plot against rural Ireland and a plot against uh, farmers. And
0: You see when I said over the years, over the years, over the years and I bored you and bored you and bored you and kept repeating the same shit over and over again that news would be replaced by commentary. What the fuck does Shane Coleman know about any of this? He's just a useful idiot presenting for news talk. A brain dead Muppet who knows nothing. But yet he is espousing an agenda, isn't he? He is speaking directly on behalf of the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset and others. Where are the farmers on news talk to say, hang on a second, dipstick, it's not an anti-green agenda. Let us explain why we are considering, you know, creating our own party or returning or reopening, reconvening the farmers party. Where are they? No, it's just commentary. It's just bullshit propaganda from another bullshit radio station in Ireland. And I think to suggest that it
4: is is a denial of the issue. And by the way, it is farmers who will be the biggest losers from, uh, from the, the climate crisis, from uh, global warming.
0: Ex- explain that, Shane. Explain how the farmers would lose any more by having their farms shut down. <laughs> or any less. Explain to us how they would lose any less. Explain to us how they are less poor, if you destroy their way of life and tell them they can't farm anymore, then they would be worse off due to climate change. Explain that. Explain how the weather warming ever so slightly because we are in, in an interglaciation period is going to impact farming more than telling them they can't farm the way they used to farm. Um, I, I just don't get that. Do you? We've
4: already seen evidence of that this year. They are really badly affected by it. And I'm not sure
0: Note he doesn't give any evidence. We've seen evidence this year that farmers have been badly affected by the climate crisis. Explain. He doesn't have to. Speaking to themselves and inward-looking, I'm not sure that is the best way to go. Speaking to themselves and being inward-looking is not the best way to go, says Shane Coleman, a useful idiot who gets paid a six-figure salary to present a breakfast show for News Talk. He's got no qualifications, none whatsoever, to... um, that that would in any way justify him speaking as an expert on farming or on the climate, but it doesn't matter anymore, does it? I, I think
4: potentially it can be successful. We have had a history in the past uh, of farmers' parties winning seats, up to ten seats in one general election. They have participated in the government back in the nineteen forties and uh, and fifties, so it can be successful. Whether or not whether or not it is a good thing at the moment. Uh, to have one, I'm not... I don't think it's... I don't think it'll be... I don't like vested I interest. So what
0: difference does it make what you think, whether it's a good thing or not if the farmers convene and, you know, launch a, a, a new political party? What do you mean it's not a good thing? How do you know? Isn't it your job to... To, to to report on the fact the farmers might be putting together a party so disgusted and so horrified uh, they are by government policy. Isn't it your job to report on that and shut the fuck up and interview a farmer and then maybe interview somebody from the government maybe? Is that not your job? Press, I, I, I think you're right that it is the green agenda that they fear most if you want to call it the green agenda. You see what I mean when I said the press? This is the press. Like the press, the soccer press. The propaganda started. As soon as the farmers said we've looked into it, we we think there might be some logic in creating our own political party. This is the media pushback.
3: But I understand that too because the green agenda is about change and farmers have lived well, a very... Life's changed, yeah. Exactly, but they've lived a much more traditional life because the urbanisation that many people have, have experienced over the course of their lives, it's different to farmers. And, and you know what? I also get the fact that we have seen for years people who grow up in rural Ireland move to Dublin, move to Cork. That's what happens. And they've seen their kids move off the land the people of Dublin don't like the fact that their kids are being priced out of Dublin and, oh, my child had to move to Leitrim, my child... Nobody wants to move to Leitrim. My child had to move to Kildare. They, they and
4: Kildare is a shithole.
3: They, they recognise that as, oh, a, as a loss to them, the, the, the but rural Ireland is just about stru- to, to suck that up.
4: And, and sorry, just to stress, the denial of... Uh, uh, the, the denial of what? The, the, the crisis and the denial of what needs to change is by no means limited to rural Ireland. We are all guilty of that.
0: We're all guilty of denying the climate, are we? But um, again, he's, he's making accusations that he's not substantiated with any evidence. So the farmers are doing this, aren't they, because they deny that climate change... Now, climate change is a load of bollocks, we know that. The climate change is naturally, right? Um, CO2 follows heat, not the other way around, we know this. I'm not going to give you the statistics again. Um, so the farmers would be right to deny that there is a crisis brought about by CO2 emissions created by human activity. But uh, he's got no right to put words in their mouth, does he, this guy? Let's hear a little bit more of this. They're
4: absolutely all guilty of that. And none of us want to make the changes that are required. What changes are required? But farming counts for it as a 37% of all greenhouse gas emissions. That is going to have to change.
0: Uh, and That is going to have to change. This is a guy who is a radio presenter, no more, no less, just like me. Right, my qualifications are, are, not in any science, are not in any science whatsoever. Right, but what I can do is do a little bit of research as a researcher, as a skilled and 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 um, a very experienced researcher. I can quickly figure out that uh, the anthropogenic or anthropogenic, however you want to say it, climate theory is utter bunkum. It is junk science. It's nonsense. Leaving that aside, I put my hands up. I don't have any scientific qualifications in the area, um, but this guy has none whatsoever. Here you he speaking with an air of authority on these subjects. Things are going to have to change, people. We are going to have to change the way we live, whether we like it or not.
4: Yeah, I'm not sure a farmers' party that will say no
0: surrender is good for the country. And other- a, a farmers' party that says no surrender to tyranny is not good for the country, says Shane Coleman. Lord Ho Ho would be laughing if he could hear that programme wherever Lord Ho-Ho is.
4: Ultimately, I don't think it's good for rural Ireland because I think farmers are the ones that will lose most of all from the How the warming.
0: fuck do they get away with this on national radio?
3: Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I agree with you. I actually think that our agricultural industry works quite harmoniously with the environment in a way that yeah, others just, don't. No, Shane, I think you have to look at it as a global issue. 37 are, there are percent of farming our emissions. Pra-
0: there are far- 37% of our emissions come from farmers. 37% of our emissions in Ireland we got to cut our emissions. So the farmers, thirty-seven percent. We got to stop farming.
3: Farming practices—that's our emissions, but yeah. are, and which are tiny. There are farming practices in the rest of the world that are much less green
0: than here. All I right, think
4: I'm, I'm, I'm not that. sure that should be our yardstick. But anyway, what
0: do you mean it shouldn't be your fucking yardstick? Forget the farming that goes on elsewhere around the world. The Chinese and the Indians and the Pakistanis and other countries around the world are going to be mining coal and drilling for oil. Um, for the next thousand years. So it makes not not a jot of difference, even if anthropogenic climate change theory was genuine and was absolutely a certainty. It doesn't fucking matter what we do in this country or what they do in Ireland, does it? Mad stuff, that, isn't it? Yeah, mad. Um, Look, let us know what you think. Uh you don't want to know what we think. The whole point of that exercise was to propagandise the nation, to demonise the farmers of the country, make them out to be a bunch of, you know, stuck-in-the-mud... Um, I don't know, cloth-eared, uh, old-fashioned, old-fogies who won't accept that climate change is happening and uh, say that they're th- 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 any talk of them forming their own political party is because they have an anti-green agenda and because they're climate deniers. It's dreadful, isn't it? It's just absolute garbage, isn't it? Isn't it? Just a little bit. Um, staying with it just for one more minute, um, Susie Boniface, who's known as the Fleet Street Fox, you might know that, you might not, was on the Jeremy Vine television programme on Channel 5 today. She was talking about asylum seekers being put in barges, which has been topical, right? That's been in the news cycle all week long, right, this barge off the coast. Is it off Devon, is it? Um, I've read so much about this. (coughs) Excuse me, she was talking about asylum seekers being put on barges and the legalities of that, And then she bizarrely segued into uh, talking about climate change. Susie Boniface the Fleet Street Fox. The
5: Home Office has been found to have acted illegally by putting people in temporary accommodation for far, far, far too long, Mm. which led to the disease Mm. outbreaks. Mm. And this is because we are ruled almost as, as I think it was Sarah from Liverpool said, we're ruled by people who want to treat asylum seekers as the problem when the real problem is their bigger issues with immigration, which they're not dealing with and they don't want to address. They want to use this as a dog whistle to get people to vote for them, to, to cause a riot and have people fight and argue and disagree. It's not the biggest issue. It is a massive indication of how inhumane us and other developed nations are being when there is climate change, which is causing religious fundamentalism and failed states and wars and economic collapse, you're going to have large movements of people.
0: What did she blame climate change on there?
5: When there is climate change, which is causing religious fundamentalism and failed states and wars and economic collapse, you're going to have large movements of people.
0: Wow. Remember I said to you a few weeks back, um, well, more than a few weeks back, because every news outlet in this country has told its editors that there is no debate on climate change, that it is closed, it is a racing certainty that climate change, anthropogenic climate change, is happening. Therefore, you must not seek to balance out your programmes with the other side. Since this happened, and it happened about three to four years ago, they can get away, everybody, anybody who goes on to a national television or radio programme can get away with uttering such inane, But dangerous bollocks as this. I mean, this is bollocks.
5: When there is climate change, which is causing religious fundamentalism.
0: Causing religious fundamentalism. Now we blame that on climate change. And
5: failed states.
0: Failed states.
5: Wars and economic collapse.
0: Wars and economic collapse happening because of climate change. So, Susie Boniface. That is unbelievable. You know, but don't forget Baroness Jenny Jones of the Green Party speaking on national radio only a couple of weeks ago. This is what they really want.
2: I'm afraid
1: net zero isn't where we should be going, we should be going to real zero and so we, we've got to take this much more...
0: Real zero? Net zero is not good enough?
1: I'm afraid net zero isn't where we should be going, we should be going to real zero and so we, we've got to take this much more seriously than any any government in the UK is likely to over the next few years... And
0: what does real zero mean? I mean, does it involve placing a device over your mouth and a device over your bumhole? I, I, I'm not saying that for a cheap laugh, does it? Are they developing such technologies? Think of the character Bane in the Batman film. I can't remember which Batman film. Maybe the final one with Christian Bale, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. The guy going around with this device, uh, this breathing apparatus on his face. Maybe that's what it'll be in the future. Maybe there will be breathing apparatus that will be invented and that people will be in, invited to to wear Uh, for periods of the day so that the CO2 they exhale having inspired, having taken an inspiration having breathed in the CO2 they breathe out will be somehow captured and somehow converted into something else don't laugh at that. I mean, that's entirely feasible, isn't it? When you hear insanity such as that. This is The Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from BBG Towers in Salford. The time is 25 minutes past the hour. Time for a tune when I come back. Your comments, and I promise we won't talk about climate change anymore today, so we won't. You can download an app for The Richie Allen Show. It's quite simply The Richie Allen Show on Google Play or the App Store. You can leave a comment via the website, richieallen.co.uk, where it says Comment Live, The Richie Allen Show, Thursday, the 10th of August, 2023. (laughs) Uh, James Brown, Living in America, that featured, of course, in Rocky IV, when Rocky ended the Cold War, remember that? One of his many, one of his numerous achievements, he ended the Cold War, so he did. Rocky Balboa. Wonderful stuff. By the way, Kildare and Leitrim are both lovely places. I visited both places. They're lovely. With joking, of course, lest I offended anybody. Marcus was on to say he's watched the Virgin flight footage. Definitely not flat earth. It's round, says Marcus. Thank you, Marcus. Speaking of farming, Jenny says food is essential. It's not an optional extra, for goodness sake. Thanks, Jenny. And Kenner was on. Hi, Kenner. Lovely to hear from you. Richie, I was listening yesterday and the issue of AI came up again. Around two years ago, I met a high-ranked military officer. He told me that he is uneasy and worried about how much power AI has during serious military warfare. According to this officer, AI basically has the final say and can override the decisions of the general or the military leader in charge, taking the lives of his men out of his hands, ultimately being controlled by computers. And Kenner goes on to say he recently finished Ray Kurzweil's book, The Singularity is Near, written in the noughties describing how far along AI was even then. Thanks Kenner. I disagree with my friend, my great friend and engineer Paul Ripley. Paul isn't convinced at least I hope I'm not misrepresenting Paul, but he isn't convinced that the singularity will happen and he isn't convinced that AI could become self-aware, aware of its own existence and then begin to act autonomously in its own interest, basically. Now, I, I'm not sure, but I lean towards maybe it could maybe in the future, maybe, maybe in the near future. And, and if that happened, maybe we'd be in trouble. Maybe we wouldn't, I don't know, but I'm not not convinced. I, I would, yeah, if I had to make a bet on it, not that it would matter in the end, but I think maybe the day will come to pass when artificial intelligence does begin to act autonomously. But a lot of people who know more about it than I do, they completely disagree. So there you are. Okay, Uh, Baird has been on to say, have you noticed how none of these climate maniacs have ever mentioned anything about how farming is actually bad for the climate? Hang on a second, they regularly claim that farming is bad for the climate. So I don't, I don't get you there, Baird. Uh, Diane says, the country needs to be run by farmers, truck drivers, housewives, electricians and plumbers. People who actually understand reality. Thanks for that, Diane. You'll get no argument here. Angela says, I cannot believe my 62-year-old sister went to see the Barbie film with a 62-year-old friend. <laughs> we, we are not alike in that respect, says Angela. Did, did they like it? Did they come back and wax lyrical about it? Maybe they did. Uh, hi to Joe who says apparently the alien invasion has started according to Redacted. Redacted claims it's happened or happening in Peru. The alien invasion. The fake alien invasion. Which I don't know what to make of that when I hear such claims. Um, let me read some more of your messages that have come in via the app. They've come, Legion. They're Legion. Hi to Andrea in Glasgow. Happy Thursday back at you Andrea. Um, You know the software that runs the app, it's a real pain in the backside, Because it makes me scroll down and down again. When a new one comes in, it brings me right back to the top, which is a pain in the backside, as I've already said. Paulie says, my youngest was desperate to see Barbie, so I took them both a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty good, says Paulie, not the woke fest the American right will tell you. Um, I thought it simply took a mirror to society and ripped the piss out of it all. That's a good review, Paulie. Thank you for that. And somebody using no name whatsoever says, Richie, I'm an English teacher in Manchester and I've always enjoyed teaching people from different countries. But nowadays it's mostly Saudis and about 90% of them are autistic. So my job is now almost impossible. I was shocked to learn that the overwhelming majority of Saudis uh, have learning difficulties or physical problems, all being of the forced inbreeding of the Wahhabis. Hmm... I'll take that one with a pinch of salt, but then you wouldn't expect me to do anything else. Thank you for that. Chris says the price of meat is going nuts. We were in Tesco today rummaging through the reduced section. Two organic chicken breasts were £6, and that was the reduced price, uh, says Chris. Thank you for that, Chris. Angela says, my farmer friend in Wiltshire is fed up with what is happening and is fully awake and part of the resistance. Alice says, no farmers equals no food. We'll eat the bugs or we'll eat nothing. Alexandra says, let's hope the farmers in Ireland and other countries stand up to this madness just like they have done in the Netherlands. Thank you for that. Chris says, I'm home early for a change. It's great to listen live, he says. I will download the podcast tomorrow in any case. Thank you uh, for that. Chris Kev says, Richie, yardstick. I'd give him a few smacks with my Hurley. That's Kev in Tyrone. Charlie was on to say, climate change, bollocks. They're all brainwashed, in my honest opinion. Hi to Ian, who says, Richie, don't give them any ideas. That's a good point. Nelly says, if we have... To have all of our orifices corked, some idiots will still go along with it happily. I wouldn't be surprised, Nelly, if those who wore the face nappies uh, were convinced, if they could be convinced in the near future. Listen, as we're talking about carbon capture, I mean, it's not that much of a stretch. They are telling us that they have technology to pull CO2 out of the air. Well, why not pull it out of us? Why not? I'm sure it's in development. Why not? Hi to Lindsay, who says Susie Boniface, the same author of the Fleet Street Fox opinion piece in 2021, who called anybody who questioned the safety of the vaccines, she called them terrorists, said Li- says Lindsay. She's now seamlessly moving into the climate hysteria arena. No surprises there. That is very well remembered. She did uh, label anyone Questioning the vaccines and the other aspects of the COVID sc- scam, she, she she likened them to terrorists, didn't she? Indeed, she did. Hi to Dell from Stoke-on-Trent. Thank you, Dell, for the guest suggestion. Rita says, I think it is not the consequences of climate change that Susie revealed. You know, wars, economic destruction religious madness, etc. It is the climate change agenda. That's exactly where they're planning to take us. Not because of, but via the climate change agenda. And Linda has been on to say, Richie, is there any chance you could devote the show to listeners' experiences of personal ghost stories and all things paranormal? No doubt, Linda, we can do that. Uh, You've suggested Halloween. It sounds good to me. Martin says, remember, shall we play a game? Uh, The War Games movie, remember that, thank you. And Mark says, all of these so-called climate experts go on about how we've got to change to save the planet, yet they are not telling us what we have to do. Is this because when they do, most of the population will tell them to piss off? I'm hoping so. In any case, says Mark. Mark, Very good stuff. Thank you for your messages. Keep them coming in. It is Thursday's Richie Allen Show, the 10th of August, 2023. I'm Richie Allen. But you know that, don't you? Indeed. We'll come back to Ireland as well, momentarily. In other news, and I know I said I'd move away from any talk of climate change, but you know that at least 36 people have died in wildfires, which have swept through the island of Maui in Hawaii. Now they're saying in Hawaii it's a bit early to know just how just how badly damaged um the area is but at least 270 buildings have been destroyed. So a very historic town called Lahaina I think it's a famous tourist area on Maui has suffered major damage. Now these fires began on Tuesday. They spread quickly. It is alleged they were fueled by strong winds generated by Hurricane Dora. Thousands of tourists and residents have been evacuated to makeshift shelters. Joe Biden, the US President, in a rare moment of clarity, uh, sent his deepest condolences to the families who lost loved ones in the wildfires. fires. Yes. Yeah, the wildfires. I believe, and I have believed for some years, not because it suits me to believe it, not because it's something my listeners want to hear, but I believe it. I believe that the technology to create weather events, but equally to accelerate weather events like hurricanes and storms, I believe that technology has been around for a long time. And I believe it has moved on from, from even HARP, technology. It's moved on. You know Harp where they fire radio waves into the ionosphere to mess with the jet stream? I believe they've been able to mess with the weather for a long time. And I believe they can do whatever they like with the weather. By they, I don't know. Supernational organisations, private organisations, intelligence agencies, whoever you want to think, whichever group you want to name. I don't know for a fact, but I believe it can happen. And I believe that these hurricanes, sometimes, not all the time, hurricanes are a naturally occurring thing, but sometimes I believe they might be accelerated at an opportune moment, at a moment when they want to talk up or ramp up the climate change fear, because that's what they're doing here. They are blaming climate change on the hurricanes that, in turn, the hurricane has then helped to spread... Uh, through strong winds, of course, help to spread wildfires which do terrible damage. Look, the sun will not start a fire unless you concentrate its rays using something like a magnifying glass, right? Uh, That's pretty basic stuff, isn't it? Fires do not start because the weather is very, very, very hot. Fires are started by arsonists, or they happen by accident they do happen by accident sometimes and yes of course fires sometimes occur because woodland areas which border communities are not cleaned up properly before the dry season you know when they remove the what they call the detritus the scrub the twigs you know the tumbleweed all that sort of stuff this isn't meant for us right this propaganda. These stories on the BBC today, on Fox News, on CNN, are not really meant for you and me. They are but not really. They're meant for children. Aren't they? Children. Listening in cars while being driven by parents or guardians. Listening at home. And not just listening to the legacy media either. Kids are getting this shit through TikTok. Do you know that? Do you know that that they use TikTok and this stuff is flashing up all the time. These fires. These little videos are flashing up on their devices when they're y- using TikTok, when they've downloaded the app. They get this nonsense on their apps too. And I think it scares the absolute bejesus out of children. You know, some kids will, m- maybe more than some kids, will will worry about wildfires eventually becoming reality where they live. Because of climate change. So it's relentless, isn't it? You know, absolutely <laughs> relentless, This th- th- this stuff. And we're seeing this as kids are polled, and they do poll kids, they poll them in schools, as they poll them in high schools, they poll them in university and in college, in city colleges. You know will you be taking a will you be taking a year out, a gap year like so many of us did, me included. Will you? No. Why? It's wonderful to get you know, a backpack to save up for it, you know, pack a few clothes. Plot a little journey through Europe. Maybe, maybe if not Europe, maybe Asia. No, no. Why not? Because flying is killing the planet. When do you imagine you will have children? Never. Never. Oh God, no, no. Why? Because having children is killing the planet. How do you mean? I've actually seen a video, and I can't find it. I wanted to play it for you on this programme. I've seen the video. It, I saw it recently, but it was a video that surfaced about two years ago, it's not a parody. It's not a spoof where a young man at a university somewhere in the American Midwest talks about this with real seriousness. You know, not having a child because the child will go on to create so much CO2. You know, because the child will have to be cared for. You know, the child will have to be kept warm. The child's food will have to be heated. You know, the child will have to be driven places. So it's kids they're using these wildfire horror stories. It's kids they're aiming these stories at. Look at the horrible impacts of climate change. When wildfires are not really a new thing, they've happened before. There are many reasons why they happen. And it ain't the sun. The sun is not causing woodlands over thousands of hectares to spontaneously combust and burn down and lead to the evacuation of villages and communities. It is not the sun. Something else might be going on. I can't prove that these fires are being set deliberately. Right? I cannot prove it, but I suspect it. 100%. Something a little bit more. Speaking of paranormal and stuff. I mean, this is not quite into ghost territory, but um, are you having a staycation this summer? Um, you hate those blended words, don't you? Staycation. And the Bastard Oxford Concise Dictionary includes them too because I looked it up, it's in there now, staycation. It's a noun, of course, staycation. Having a vacation at home where you live, in the country where you reside. Um, Lots of people are staying home because they're broke, but lots of people, as we've just been discussing, are staying home to reduce their CO2 emissions. Now, if you're staying in the UK this summer because you're doing it for the climate for Greta, you might want to head north of the border. Let's have a listen to GB News. Paul Nixon, very enthusiastic man. And he's very enthusiastic about a certain legendary monster then.
6: We are going to be conducting the largest surface watch of Loch Ness since 1972. So,
0: Largest surface watch of Loch Ness since 1972. Brilliant. Do you want to get involved?
6: So we're calling out for volunteers to come and help with the hunt for probably one of our longest standing mysteries that's that's still going today.
5: I mean it's a mystery because it's nonsense, isn't it?
3: Oh, Isabel <laughs> There's no such thing Isabel, as Isabel I'm
6: so Is disappointed you think oh, that I'm sorry. I know if you were to take a trip to Loch Ness, take a walk along the banks, you'd have your eyes on the water. And it doesn't matter if you're a skeptic, a cynic, or a true believer Whenever anyone visits Loch Ness, they are looking for the Loch Ness monster. You can't help it. It's Uh, in your DNA. It's in your DNA. Everything to now is pointed as towards a phenomena in the area. You know, from 565 AD to St. Columba being written up in a religious text that he banished a beast in the loch to Aldi Mackay's sighting uh, 90 years ago in 1933, which really kicked off this global phenomenon. And there's not a corner of the planet you can visit where someone hasn't heard of the Loch Ness Monster.
0: Do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster, dear listener? Do you believe in the Loch Ness Monster? I want to know this, it's important to me. Uh, The time is 14 minutes to the top of the hour. Let me know. Uh, Do you fancy going up there? Shall we get a bus? Shall we charter a a couple of coaches, 160 people? Let's go up there and spend a bit of time in Loch Ness, scanning the surface of the Loch. I thought I saw a Yeti one time. I thought I saw a Yeti, Bigfoot, at uh, one time. I did no, no word of a lie in my bathroom in South Manchester. Uh, it was only Caroline's mother. You know, French women don't shave their legs, don't you? You know that? The French don't shave their legs and other parts of their anatomy, too. Definitely saw so, Bigfoot. This is the Richie Allen Show, Thursday's edition. I'm Richie Allen. It's Scorchio Tremendo still, 26 degrees here in Salford. And this is the Divine Comedy. Isn't life a divine comedy now? Neil Hannon, this is great.
4: Take the train. There's
0: the Divine Comedy National Express on the Richie Allen Show. I'm Richie Allen. Hope all is well with you this Thursday. If you're just joining the programme, you haven't missed very much at all, to be honest. He says modestly. You've not missed much at all, really. Uh, But thank you for finding me in the end. Good to be with you, as always. Uh, Lots more to talk about today. Lots more, in fact. Your comments in a minute.
1: Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk
0: Let me take this opportunity to thank the amazing Mark Byerski and his efforts in supporting The Richie Allen Show He's amazing. He has been over a number of years. We love him, not because of that. We love him also because we we love him. Uh, Of course, not because of that. But thanks to Mark. He's an amazing guy. I don't do this because he supported the programme. I recommend him in any case. Check him out on YouTube, although he's undergoing or he has um, been undergoing some proper censorship on there. But uh, check out Mark Bayerski's YouTube channel and markbajerski.com and sincere thanks to him and to his team in Spain for their um, unending support, really, of this programme. It's really gratefully received. So thank you uh, to Mark. I really appreciate it. Catherine has been in touch. Loves Linda's sug- suggestion about the ghosts and doing a show. Thank you very much, Catherine. Let me say hi to William, who had the pleasure of working at, I'm going to struggle to pronounce this, William. He says, Urquhart Castle. Is that how I pronounce that? Urquhart Castle. On the banks of Loch Ness. And the place is truly majestic, says William. He says, my wife Lisa. Hi, Lisa. She said, with us being Scottish, we believe in Nessie, but we haven't seen her yet. And Annette has won the comment of the day thus far, Thanks, Annette. No point in coming up to Loch Ness monster hunting. Due to global boiling, it is now totally dry. Well, you might see the bones of Nessie then. Or the, the, the skeleton of Nessie. Yeah. Why not? The fossil of Nessie might be on the dry Loch bed. And Diane says, this is a very good point, uh, which I should have thought. It should have occurred to me as I was ranting momentarily. But uh, Diane's right. She says, Richie, aluminium is an accelerant for combustion. Sparklers have both iron and aluminium in them. This sustains the burn and creates the sparks. What is in the chemtrails, asks Diane. Aluminium, barium, strontium and probably other things I don't know. But thanks for that, Diane. Very good. Richard has been in touch to say what I heard is they're going to store the CO2 in water and pump that water away and store it. So they are planning on robbing the water maybe says Richard. Uh, Yeah. And Donald, thank you for your comment. I'm going to get into that now in a moment. Going to do that in a moment. Kevin is feeling a bit depressed. But he makes a point. He says, why? Maybe, Maybe he isn't feeling depressed. It's not for me to judge Kevin. Sorry, Kevin, so I shouldn't say that. He says, Richie, why even talk about this? None of us are going to do anything to stop them. When the time comes, they will come to your door and remove you one by one. I don't like saying it, says Kevin, but there is only one way to stop this and nobody will say it. Well, why don't you say it, Kevin? You say which, which, which way it is. Because if, if, you're, if you're talking violence, I don't, I, I would say forget about it. You know, uh, and I'm somebody who's all for defending himself. Like if uh, somebody approaches me and attacks me or mine i I, w- I will attempt to defend me and mine but um, i think what you're talking about is trying to take it to them in some violent uprising uh, it's not going to happen that is not going to happen it just isn't going to happen for a number of reasons it won't happen you know and uh and and i don't believe it's the way forward in any case they've got much bigger weapons and much bigger guns they've got weapons we're not even aware um, exist On the Loch Ness David says, I went over the lock in a glass bottom boat No monster, just water as black as coal. Yeah but David you didn't cover every inch of the lock, man, did you? Or maybe you did. I don't know, it's a rather large body of water, isn't it? Isn't it? The lock? It's a big old body of water, as far as I remember. I'm no expert on the locks. Uh, the, white, the the waterways of Scotland. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert on much, as you well know. So there you go. So the teacher came back to say to me, Richie, I experienced it first hand, working with thousands of autistic Saudis. But you see, y- you've lost me straight away when you said that you've worked with thousands of autistic Saudis that's a bit iffy to me, but look, I'll read your comment anyway. I was advised by a colleague it was due to the inbreeding prevalent in the region. I looked into it myself online and found um, estimates that 75% of Saudis being this way. Look, I lived in Spain for a number of years on the Costa del Sol. I met and encountered many Saudis who own property in that region. I met many of them through working at Talk Radio Europe. Young and older Saudis. And they didn't come across as being a bit thick or even being a bit autistic to me. That was my experience. But there, I've read your comment. Uh, Thank you for it. Uh, Tim came back to say, 80 mile per hour wind gusts in Maui. Brought down power lines. Those power lines then sparked the fires. The wind then whipped up a firestorm, which pushed through Lahena. There's no stopping fire in 80 mile per hour winds, says Tim. Thank you, Tim. And Caroline says, I heard that so the technology technology pushed onto the plebs is about 20 years behind actual science. Science fiction becomes science fact, more like science factoid, that's Caroline and Mike. And Gabriel says, according to a prominent Muslim commentator, uh, the teacher with no name may have a point, and you've linked me to uh, an article in the Daily Mail, thank you. The Daily Mail is a right-wing newspaper. Isn't it? And it's not very fond of Muslims, is it? Uh, Just saying, like, so I I don't know. Hi to Paul who says, talking of travels, I'm 56. I'm finally going to Ireland, says Paul from Northolt, by the way, to find our roots. A a tour to find our roots for a week with my wife, Paula. Hi, Paula. And her cousin, Steve. Hi, Steve. We're taking in Belfast, Dublin, Blackrock, Mallow, in Cork, of course. Ken Mayer, Galway Giants Causeway is then back to Belfast. Looking forward to it after years of wanting to do it. That's Paul from Northwood. Have a blast, Paul. I'm sure you'll receive the kid Mila fortune wherever you go. Ian is on to say, or came on to say, I don't believe in the Loch Ness Monster, but I have seen a few Glaswegian ones. Thank you very much. Very good. Alexandra came back to say, unfortunately, there are no more stewardesses selling crisps and tea on the National Express. (laughs) Fantastic. And Paulie, thank you for your kind offer, but when I go away on holidays with my missus, we spend our time together in almost in complete isolation, but thank you very much. Uh, Because we, we, we pass each other on the stairs, and in the corridors of BBG Towers, when we're not working, so when we go away we tend not to see anybody, and that will be the same this time around, but thanks Paul. I appreciate that, two minutes it is to the top of the hour I'm going to move on, so I am and uh, no more talk of Loch Ness Jimmy Cranky otherwise known as uh, Nicholas Sturgeon who resigned in, resigned her position as Scotland's First Minister in some disgrace it has to be said Yes, Um, has announced that she's writing her autobiography. Just thought I'd throw that in there. I won't be, obviously, purchasing a copy of it. I might put in a press request, though, to the publishers to ask if Ms. Sturgeon, uh, Cranky, might come on the programme for the crack. You never know. Sometimes they just don't do the due diligence. You see, Nicholas Sturgeon will not have heard of me. The publisher will probably not have heard of me. They usually look into the backgrounds of the requesting media people, uh, the media people making the requests for the interviews, but they might, sometimes they, they don't do the due diligence. I might put in a request for Jimmy Cranky. Wouldn't that be fun? And I read this in The Telegraph this afternoon. It, it interested me because my better half used to work for Kellogg's on Talbot Road in Manchester, where the which, 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 which is opposite the Lancashire cricket ground. Old Trafford Cricket ground, you see. And my missus used to work for Kellogg's there many, many years ago. No, we did not get um, samples of Rice Krispies and Kellogg's Cocoa Pops, which turned the milk chocolate-ly, chocolatey. We didn't get Kellogg's Honey Nut Loops. None of that. No, we got none of that. But um, she works there. Now, Kellogg's, the, the, the headline is, Kellogg's accused of sexualizing products in woke backlash. Sexualizing products in woke backlash. How has Kellogg's been sexualizing its products? I ask you. Well, according to the Telegraph, it's been accused of doing this, celebrating Pride Month, and running illegal diversity schemes. These claims have been made by America First Legal, it's a conservative non profit firm run by Stephen Miller, who once worked for Donald Trump. He was his immigration czar. So the American First Legal, or America First Legal, AFL we'll call them, argues that Kellogg's hiring, training and promoting practices are infused with woke ideology, constituting illegal race-based discrimination and this violates federal law. So, apparently, the big wigs at Kellogg's have been overhiring trans people and non binary people and getting really stuck into the woke ideology. And AFL reckon this violates federal law. So, they've asked the US Anti Discrimination Agency to investigate the serial company over its workplace diversity politics which uh, Kellogg's have designed to achieve a balance based on race and sex. And they've also accused, or they've also criticised Kellogg's marketing campaigns, saying that Kellogg's has moved away from its long-held family-friendly marketing approach to politicise and sexualise its uh, products. But how's it doing that? Well, they've given some examples. Apparently, Kellogg's... Uh, boxes of Cheese It crackers, Cheese It crackers, have featured the drag queen Rue Paul, and some cereal boxes have celebrated LGBTQ Pride Month. Yeah. There's a group, AFL, run by the bloke who used to run the immigration or the anti immigration stuff for Donald Trump. The group took exception to the company's well known Tony the Tiger. They're great. Tony the Tiger. Uh, Tony posed for pictures with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney at the Tony Awards. Not the Broadway Tony Awards, do you get it? It's the Tony the Tiger Awards. So Tony was pictured with the trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney, who sank Bud Light. It wasn't Dylan's fault. It wasn't his fault. He just took the gig. I mean, you'd take the gig, wouldn't you? Will you advertise Bud Light? Yeah, sure. Why not? Why do you want me? Because you have a penis. Fair enough. You'll appeal to the trans people and they'll buy some Bud Light and it will show how diverse we are. It'll show how virtuous we are. And then nobody's buying Bud Light now and Chris Rock even shot up a pallet full of Bud Light with an M16 machine gun. Or was it an AK-47? I can't remember. So uh, Tony the Tiger posed with Dylan Mulvaney. This hasn't gone down very well. And the AFL Uh, wants to sue because uh, it's all illegal discrimination. Would it put you off your cocoa Pops, would it? Would it put you off your... what's What's the only nice cereal I've ever had in my life? I don't eat cereal. I haven't eaten, I haven't ate a bowl of cereal for about 25 years. Crunchy Nut Corn Flakes was the one I would have eaten back in the days when I would have eaten cereal. And you put milk on it and sugar and all sorts of shite. It's the wonder we have no teeth in Ireland. You know the Irish have no teeth whatsoever. Three in four people have dentures in Ireland. uh, Up from two in four back in the 1970s. That's a fact. Uh, Ireland's got 5.2 million people living there. Three in four. Just over 76% of the country. And it's not age specific either. So you'll find lots of six and seven year olds running around with sears and Roebuck dentures. It's a terrible thing really. Do you remember back in the day uh, when a man or a woman turned 18 in a place like Salford years and years ago when they were very, you know, very young-like and they had their teeth, they had their teeth about them. They would be given a general anaesthetic and all of their teeth would be taken out. They would then be presented with National Health Service dentures. I'm not making this up, by the way. And this happened to save them the expense of dentistry in the future and the pain of it. Madness. But that went on. Madness. And you wonder why people fell for COVID. You wonder why people fall for climate change. Young men and women, healthy young men and women were told, listen, we're going to knock you out, right? We're going to pull out all of your fucking teeth. You're going to be in agony for weeks afterwards. Until all the swelling subsides. And then we're going to give you dentures. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Where do I go? Where do I sign up? Thick as pig muck. That's how they were back then. Uh, Ireland, speaking of sickness, will not let go of COVID. Ireland will not let go of COVID. It just will not. COVID is not going anywhere. This is Morning Ireland, a programme on the radio on RTE,
7: Morning Ireland, speaking about COVID, which just won't bloody well go away. A new variant of COVID-19 designated EJ.5 has been detected in Ireland. EJ.5 has been detected in Ireland. In August, according to the health service executive, it comes after the World Health Organization yesterday classified this latest coronavirus strain as a variant of interest. Uh, Dr. Maria van Kierkhoff, technical lead for COVID-19 at the World Health Organization, told a press conference yesterday it did not result in more severe illness. Maria?
1: EG.5 is one of the sublineages of Omicron.
0: Ah, it's one of the sublineages of Omicron, EG.5. It fell out of the arse of Omicron. Remember the Omicron variant. Omicron variant. Well, EG.5 fell out of the arse of Omicron. It's a new one and we've discovered it in Ireland.
1: We will be um, classifying this as a variant of interest. It was a variant under monitoring.
0: It was a variant under monitoring. Now it's been escalated to a variant of interest.
1: But given its increased growth rate, um, we've conducted this risk evaluation looking at transmissibility or growth rate which we see an increase looking at severity we haven't seen a change in severity looking at immune escape and we do see immune escape with so it
0: escapes immunity so you might think that you've built up immunity to COVID on its various
7: strains no this one can escape the immunity
1: with this uh, eg.5 sublineage
7: that's the world health sublineage organization there. Meanwhile, hospitals across Ireland are reporting a further rise in coronavirus infections. General practice remains the first point of contact for anyone concerned about symptoms. Here to tell us more about the situation in practices across the country is Iona Duffy, a family doctor based in Monaghan. Iona Duffy. Iona Duffy. What's the picture like? A family-based
0: doctor in Monaghan?
8: Morning, well, I suppose what we're seeing is reflective of the rise in numbers in the hospital setting. And as you said, um, we've seen a rise from 121 hospital cases of COVID two weeks
0: ago. 121 hospital cases of COVID two weeks ago. Population 5.2 million.
8: To 408.
0: To 408?
8: And on the ground, what we're finding is more and more people who are ringing us with um with a history of symptoms that are suggestive of COVID, so... Like what? The symptoms are very similar to previous episodes and flares of COVID, which is severe... Like what? ...severe sinus congestion. So,
0: sinus congestion? So that really bad, bad head cold. What? And- she just gave the game away there. So we're, we're getting people calling us with sinus congestion. Which is severe sinus
8: congestion. Which? So that really bad
0: that really what?
8: Bad, bad, head cold.
0: Head cold. So they're calling you with a head cold and you're diagnosing them as having COVID, right?
8: High temperatures, headaches, some people kind of complaining of loss of taste and smell, but that doesn't seem to be as strong this time as with previous outbreaks or previous flares of the AERIS
0: virus. AERIS, that's what they've called this EJ.5. They've called it the AERIS variant, yeah, which was a variant under monitoring a couple of weeks ago, but it has been elevated, not escalated, elevated to a variant of concern.
8: Virus. And obviously some people are ringing us to say that they have self-tested at home with antigen tests and are noting themselves to be positive.
0: Yeah, yeah. The people who are self-testing themselves at home in August of 2023 in Ireland, Um, no, don't finish that sentence, don't. No, because I'm in pretty good form today. What sort of fucking amoeba, what sort of... Gelatinous, who is still testing themselves anywhere today, let alone in Ireland,
7: with antigen tests? What sort of brain-dead dipstick is doing that today? I suppose it's worth repeating that the situation now is very different to um, what emerged when the virus um, first uh, became widespread in 2020. And indeed, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said there's no prospect of new public health restrictions being introduced.
0: Oh, how, how, how nice of Leo Varadkar, the merry Indian, to say, don't worry, um, we won't be introducing new public health restrictions. Tojo.
8: No, and I think that's great because uh, it is a case of us kind of starting to learn to live with this virus in many ways. And we know that the actual restriction and isolation period for those who have tested positive for COVID has been reduced to five days or 48 hours after your symptoms have eased and your symptoms have really minimised themselves. So that's, that's a big change from the original two weeks, as we know, when COVID first hit us.
0: Are you hearing this?
8: So I think caution is still advised and while we're not saying people have to panic
0: about this we w- We're not saying that people have to panic about it now
8: We would be suggesting that people perhaps have some antigen tests in their house so What? That-
0: people should have some antigen tests in their house this goon says This absolute wench of a woman Have some antigen tests For what? For when you get the fucking sniffles Is it? Is it? For when you get a little bit of a sore throat and a little bit of a headache Take a fucking antigen test and then do what? Like, just go about your day, drink fluids. It, this is insane, isn't that it? That if
8: they are symptomatic, they can test themselves. And that means that they can act accordingly, limit and restrict their, their, their contact with those who may be vulnerable and who are still at risk of developing serious illness.
7: Unbelievable. Last bit of this. Do you think that masks should be reintroduced for healthcare settings? That requirement was only... I could murder the presenter, you know. Dropped in recent months.
0: I actually could. A a pacifist. I I can fantasise about, I'm I'm not obviously recommending it. I'm saying absolutely not under any circumstance. But I, I, I would love to beat the living piss out of that presenter.
8: I think it's going to be very difficult to go back on any of the the kind of things that have been reduced. But however, in our surgery and in many GP surgeries...
0: In her surgery?
8: We are asking people who are presenting with respiratory symptoms to wear masks. And we're also recommending that people sitting in waiting rooms would wear masks as well.
0: Yeah, so if you're in a waiting room waiting to see one of your doctors at my practice, we ask that you wear a mask. I would have asked her if they were turning away people who said, well, no... Actually, no, no, I, I, I don't see the need to wear a mask at all. I wonder, I would have asked her that, but then there you are. 12 minutes past 6, Thursday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. And you are hammering me with the messages, which means that you are engaged. And you're listening and you're paying attention. That's good. Um, Don't buy any of it, though. Um, The Window Cleaner says the next variant of Corona Bollocks is called OMG, another con. Very good. Jen says, Kellogg's, world's first serial killer. Donald says they need to be locked up, Richie, even though we know it will not happen. I agree. Fantastic. Pandora says, I'm not surprised that Kellogg's is pushing the sexuality agenda. Uh, Kellogg, the inventor of the... Mr. Kellogg was the inventor of the vibrator. Is that right? is this a gag? It must be a gag. It must be. And then you go on to say, um, he, he, he was chased with his wife bar procreation and was accused of pedophilia with his children. Is that right? Um, I didn't know that. It, every day is a school day. And not just for Kay Burley, but also for me on the Richie Allen show. Faisal says that variant has just been elevated to usual suspect in breaking news just in. It's amazing, isn't it, that people might pay any attention to that. I was wondering, by the way, um, had anybody heard of this guy? And I mean this sincerely, because with the news that we talked about this in the week, they are preparing to roll out COVID boosters for so-called vulnerable people here in the UK this coming autumn. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous, right? But they are. And I was wondering about this guy. And was would, would, would this guy still be taking COVID boosters and would this guy even
7: be alive? I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But
6: I haven't moaned. I've had the second one. And he put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID.
0: Remember that guy? He rang in um, in early 2021 to BBC Radio 5 Live Breakfast. His name is Matthew. He rang in to say, I had first jab, became ill of it, and it must have been, yeah, it must have been early spring because you had your COVID jab, and then they gave you another one a few weeks later, didn't they? I can't remember, how did it work when you got the first one? I mean, you didn't have it, obviously, I didn't have it. But what was the protocol? It was one, and then they gave you another one a month, was it, later, or two weeks later. In any case, this guy had a jab, um, was hospitalised, Um, had a second one, was hospitalised, but would keep having them. And um, he didn't want anybody who refused to have the jab to be given a hospital bed because the hospital beds should be reserved for those who are injured by the jab. Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it
7: take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it?
0: And I know the exact date. I don't have it here, but it will be in my diary. It'll be in my diary for 2021. I will know the exact date this guy appeared on Radio 5 Live. And I I must, just for the hell of it, for shits and giggles, contact Radio 5 Live and ask them if they're still in touch with Matthew and if he is, in fact, still alive. Is this guy alive? Just as a matter of interest. I hope he is, by the way. And, and I do mean that. Of course, I hope he's alive. But um, wouldn't it be funny if he wasn't? he says. Uh, Gaz reckons I don't believe in Nessie, but I wouldn't go in for a swim in Loch Ness in any case. I love that. (laughs) I don't believe there's a prehistoric monster swimming beneath the surface of the lake, but there's no fucking I'm having a swim there under any circumstances. (laughs) Gabriel says regarding the Daily Mail, Richie, very true, but they do quote a prominent Muslim commentator. Yeah, but I, I could say Uncle Tom to that. T'wasn't Chris Rock, it was Kid Rock. Thank you, Brian. Well done. It was Kid Rock who shot up a pallet full of Bud Light, the dozy dipstick. What was he thinking? Get some empty cans. Fill them with water. Make it look like you're doing it. And then drink the real Bud Light. What's wrong with him? He's obviously got no Irish ancestry, Kid Rock, you know. Very good. Cookies been on to say, bloody dentist. Mine was a butcher. Filled most of my teeth before 16. Yep, yeah, I was that soldier too. Darren says, have you ever seen the Sean, the Shane McGowan video on YouTube of his new set of teeth filmed in a dentist surgery? There's a sound of applause from onlookers. I found it bewildering, asks Darren. I didn't see that. No, but I do know, or I am aware um, the Shane had the implants um, a few years back. I do remember that. Kev was on to say EJ.5, fi- EJ. or EJ.5, equals Egypt times five, yeah. You're an Egypt times five if you have the jabs. Mark came on to say, I'm an Irish resident. They are ramping it up right now. The word on the street is, it's the unjabbed causing the spread. Is that right, Irish listeners? Have you heard what Mark is hearing? The unjabbed are being blamed for the for the rise of this new strain? Are they blaming the unjabbed? And here's the best bit, says Mark. The unjabbed are causing leprosy and TB amongst the good citizens who rolled up their sleeves. Very good. Peter's been in touch, who says the EJ.5 in Ireland has me in stitches, Richie. Listening to the propaganda, I'm surprised they didn't mention hay fever as a leading symptom of it as well. Sure, surely even the most blunt tool in the box couldn't fall for this rubbish again. Surely the biggest Egypt in the world couldn't fall for this, says uh, Peter in Suffolk. Brilliant, Peter. Thank you uh, for that. Steve has been in touch to say, Afternoon, Richie. Loving your review of the madness in Ireland. You can only laugh. Thank you, Steve. Sure, we're in good form. End of term feel here at BBG Terrors. Paul Costello, who's a... Uh, I've just uh, winged in. Hi, Paul. He said, I've just tuned in. He says, could you broadcast the show at a higher volume? I'm going a tad deaf sometimes, and I struggle to hear you with the earphones on because of a noisy background, says Paul. <laughs> Paul, turn up the volume. He says, thanks for the crack, the questions, and the rants uh, from Paul in Sligo. Lovely to hear from you, Paul in Sligo. Thank you, Paul. Hi to Simon. 8 to 12 weeks after. Thank you, Simon. Well done. You came for your booster 8 to 12 weeks after. That's right. Booster jabs. Get your booster jabs. Have you had your third jab yet, Mom? No? Well, shall we make you an appointment? I remember getting those text messages. Repetitive text messages from the surgery in my in my district asking me to come for the fourth one. Like... 14, 15 months after they rolled them out. So in mid-2022, these idiots were still sending me text messages, inviting me to come and have a job. Hilarious. Until I had to walk in there and say, well, you stop fucking texting me, will you, you gone beans? They don't know what a gombean is here. Like, it doesn't matter where you go now, they're all Africans. And you know, you're talking to a liberal, lefty trade unionist I have got nothing against African people. I am an immigrant myself. I'm a migrant, an immigrant. I mentioned that they're African most of the time because if the Brits don't know what a Gambian is, um, somebody who's come from Africa to work in the NHS certainly doesn't know what a Gambian is. So yeah, I did. I went in and I said, Listen, shy talks. Shy talks. Stop fucking texting me. I don't want your jabs. I'm never going to take them. Now You're pissing me off opening a text to see it's you. And then it stopped. But the missus kept getting them for two years. Two years. Two years. Wow. Um, Brian has been in touch. Brian. How are you, Brian? He's been laughing at the Irish story. Thanks, Brian. The back of my mind wanted to get pissed off. I'd almost book an appointment with that G-bag in Monaghan just to tell her where to shove her mask and spend the whole time in the waiting room coughing and spluttering uh, as someone might check uh, if they have garlic breath just to see the reaction of the virtue signalling patients. Thanks. Uh, Brian who says he needed the belly laugh. Me too. Hi to Sam. Thank you Sam. Hi to Davy Roy who says call me Benny. I work for the BBC making drama and they still want you to take a test every Tuesday. You Give over Benny. I read the end bit first. Don't worry about it Benny. Nobody's listening. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. John says, you were on an early morning jog when you heard the COVID numpty. I was listening to Matthew, who, phoned, who, who said he had me jab, had to go to hospital, had me second jab, had to go to hospital. Why should somebody else who hasn't had the jab get a hospital bed that I might need when I get my third jab and I collapse due to it being a toxic pile of puss and fucking shit? I remember listening to that. I was jogging around Media City. Sides were in agony laughing so hard. And what I couldn't believe was there was no laughter coming from Nikki Campbell and Rachel Burden. None. They were not trying to avoid corpsing. They genuinely did not find it funny. How could you not find it funny? How could you not find that funny? Have you had your sense of humour removed, surgically removed? Have you donated it to somebody? I mean, how could you not find this funny? I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day.
6: But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one. And it put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was running down Media City, past the office building where that programme was being broadcast. I thought I'd heard it all. And when I got back to the house, of course, I rewound it, recorded it, and I basically could not wait. I was like a child on Christmas Eve. Do you remember being like nine And you you, you couldn't sleep Christmas Eve. You just could not sleep. Like Uh, No child has ever slept on Christmas Eve when you believe in Santa. And you you just cannot wait till you get up in the morning to see what might be under the tree. I, that was the longest day of my professional life. I could not wait to share this with you. I couldn't wait. Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? (laughs) Yes, yes. Fantastic. Good afternoon to my friend Jean-Anne Crowley she has been out doing a good deed and has missed the beginning of the programme. Um, she's always doing good deeds as my friend Jean-Anne Crowley. She's in a community where people look out for one another. Beautiful rural community where people are still taking care of one another. Andrew says, what does Bud Light and making love in a canoe have in common? And he says they are both Close to water. Father Jack Hackett. Emma says, I wonder why shingles is a thing now. Plenty of adverts are pushing the new shingles jab, says Emma. Thank you, Emma. Hi to Christine, who says, Richie, our landline rang back in May offering Jesse his COVID vaccine the next day because they had a cancellation. (laughs) God only knows what Jesse said. Thanks, Christine. Ian says, Blackpool Health phoned me up last year, asked me if I would be interested in the jab. When I asked about the side effects, they hung up. They hung up. Do, do, do. I love that. Would you like to come for your booster? Or in Ian's case, because he didn't have the jab, would you like to come for your jab? <clears throat> what about the side effects? Radio silence. Love that. Time for a tune, so I can have some water. See how long I can carry on with you today. Beatles, anyone? Never a bad day for the Beatles. Scorch you in Salford. Yes, first Beatles day off. Twist and shout to the Beatles, 26 and a half minutes past the hour. Yeah. number of you have been asking me, and you really have, and you know who you are. Yes, I will be on air this Sunday which will be the 13th, won't it, of September and then, of August, excuse me. I'm on here on Sunday and then I'm away on holiday uh, for three weeks, effectively. I'll tell you at the end of this, because this is the last Richie Allen show, uh, the news show, until Monday, September 4th. Have I got that right? Yes, I have. But the... Uh, Sunday show will return the day before, basically. So that's how it's going to be, okay? Okay. You won't miss me that much anyway. We need a break from one another. The autumn schedule and the winter schedule is is hectic. It's my longest stint, basically. It's all of September, October, November, and nearly all of December. So got to be refreshed and rejuvenated and ready for for the, the madness of autumn and winter. So there you are. So yes, today is the last Richie Allen show, but not the last time you'll hear me uh, this week. I will be with you on Sunday for the Melody Thing. number of you asking me, are you going to be away on... No, no, I will do Sunday. That was the plan all along. All right, okay. Okay, Ian was on to say, Embarrassment to the Midlanders, Matthew. I cringe and laugh, he says, every time I hear it. Indeed. I laugh every time I hear it too. Do you want to talk um, very briefly about waiting lists? Because, of course, one of the consequences of shutting down society, one of the consequences of turning England's National Health Service, Wales's National Health Service, and Scotland's Health Service, of course, it's all the same thing, the National Health Service. And, of course, this applies to Ireland as well and everywhere else. One of the consequences is, of course, that you have caused serious health problems in the in wider society, uh, and in every community. And waiting lists. Wait for this, the waiting list for hospital treatment has topped 7.5 million people in England for the first time. Meaning, nearly one in seven of the population is on a waiting list, an an NHS waiting list, for routine treatment, including hip and knee operations. Spare a thought for those people. That must be bloody agony. Now, the number hit 7.5 million, excuse me, 7.57 million at the end of June, up by 100,000 on the previous month. NHS England said strike action had had an impact. Uh, Junior doctors walked out for three days during June. This led to the cancellation of more than 100,000 appointments. So the waiting list is now more than 3 million higher than it was before COVID. Isn't that lovely? It isn't lovely, of course. Only uh, the NHS is also continuing to struggle to see cancer patients quickly enough. Only 59% started treatment within 62 days following an urgent GP referral during June. That is terrible. Saffron Cordery is the Deputy Chief Executive of NHS Providers and had this to say to Sky News this lunchtime.
1: Well, we know, as you've said, that that the waiting lists, the waiting times for um, patients to access treatment is still going up. And I think what we are seeing also is a really busy summer for our urgent and emergency care services as well. So we've got two sources of pressure really colliding there. And I think that that speaks to the overall challenges that are facing the NHS at the moment. they there are some some movement towards getting some of those tests and check waiting times down. So we know that over June, there was a record number of tests actually carried out and cancer patient referrals are happening more quickly. So there is is some light at the end of the tunnel there, but overall we are seeing pretty relentless pressure.
0: Relentless pressure. Imagine again, if you've got somebody I'm sure you know somebody who's waiting for a procedure that um, should be pretty routine, but it's not happening, is leaving them living in in a living nightmare, agonizing. I saw a lady in tears on one of the breakfast programs saying that you know she's had to come off morphine because of its addictive properties and is basically living in in, in a living hell, waiting for a hip replacement for over a year. Dreadful stuff, isn't it? Um, Virtue signalling twerps on the so-called liberal media. Um, Well, they never fail to blame, well, racists and Brexit for, for this problem. Now, this is monumental bollocks, but it doesn't stop them anyway. Let's just have a giggle at this. We need to make the job more attractive to get people in and to stop people leaving. Make it more attractive for doctors, says Jimmy O'Brien, so that they'll take the jobs and then they won't leave.
2: Especially all those quasi-racists and crypto-fascists who pretended that they wanted to look after us. We've got to train
0: our own. Quasi-racists and crypto-fascists. Do you know what any of that means? Who, people who said we, we need to train our own rather than rely on recruiting doctors from overseas. When you said that, when you said, why are we not spending more time and effort in encouraging young British people to take up medicine so that we can train them up in the future and get that benefit? If you said that, you're a quasi-racist and a crypto-fascist, according to David Brent, sorry, uh, James O'Brien. I hated that. He hated it. I didn't hate that rhetoric enough at the time. He didn't hate that rhetoric enough at the time, but he hates it enough now. I didn't hate it enough when people said, why don't we train our own? But I hate it now. I was too distracted by other elements, the more
2: obviously racist behaviour and, and, and things like Farage's Nazi poster.
0: He was distracted by Farage's nas- Nazi poster about the cues of migrants so that he was distracted so that he didn't realise that when people said we need to train our own, he should have been calling them quasi-racists and crypto-fascists. Yeah.
2: That line there, we've got to train our own. You're a doctor, you're looking after my kid in a British hospital and you happen to have been born in France or Nigeria. You're turning on the radio and someone's saying we've got to train our own. They're essentially saying you should F off back to France. How
0: the fuck do you draw that comparison? How do you reach that conclusion? So you've got a doctor working in the NHS. I'm sure the doctor is valued. You know, French person, somebody from Africa maybe, somebody from the Philippines. And he reckons that if they happen to be listening to the radio and somebody was talking about a crisis in the NHS and they said, we're not doing enough to train our own doctors, that that person would pack their bags and leave the country forthwith. Forthwith. Aren't they? To doctors and to nurses. And you see, once they've said
2: it to doctors and nurses, they can say it to refugees with their eyes shut.
0: Ah, uh, he's talking about 30p Lee Anderson there. So by saying we need to train our own, you're basically saying, fuck off back to France. And if you can tell doctors to fuck off back to France, well, you can tell refugees to fuck off back to France too. This guy writes books about bollocks, James O'Brien, and they do sell. The Metropolitan Liberal Elite, they do buy this dipstick's books, even though they say nothing. I pirated one on, on Pirate Bay just to have a look at a few chapters of it to see if it made any sense. It's just garbage, regurgitated shit that he took from people like Chomsky crap, right? But well, people buy this guy's crap. I mean, d- d- imagine considering yourself to be an intellectual, and you declare that if somebody says, we need to do a bit more to train our own now, that you're basically telling foreign doctors to get the fuck back to wherever you came from. Does he continue? We've got to train our own. Or has? But they, d- they didn't say it like that, though. I never heard anybody say, we've got to train our own. It was usually people going like, yeah, we do have a shortage of doctors a lot of British doctors even are leaving the service this is the, the, the truth, of course a lot of people who left the service they weren't foreign doctors he would have you believe that they were doctors who left because of Brexit that, this is bullshit there's no evidence to suggest the doctors left because of Brexit nobody was going to tell a doctor who was doing a good job in the NHS uh, listen we, we've just left the European Union will you ever fuck off back to Belgium see that didn't happen that's just bullshit Doctors were leaving the service because they just couldn't be fucking arsed. A lot of doctors. And this is the truth. We saw evidence that doctors kept reducing their hours, didn't they? They were going from five days down to three days because they could survive on the wages of three days because they were getting so much fucking money, right? So they were taking three, four days off a week. This is true. I'm not making any of this up. We've, t- we've talked about it on this programme. Articles have been written in the Liberal and in the Conservative press about this. So this lawyer won't talk about any of that. This fucking lawyer James O'Brien. You know? So if you're talking about, we need to train our own, um, that doesn't make you some, you know, 30p Lee Anderson fuckwit. You know, who likes to make everything black and white and to play to his base. Of course, Lee Anderson, scumbag Tory, is playing to his base. Of course he is. Of course he is. And he's doing his job, making everything uh, a series of simple absolutes. Right versus left. Immigrants versus, you know, those who don't want any immigrants in the country at all. This is horseshit from O'Brien. You know, nothing wrong with saying we need to do more to train our doctors. You know, you're not saying um, we, we we need to get rid of the doctors we have. Anyway, let's hear a little bit more of this. How's that working out for
2: you, lads? How's that working out for you with 7.6 million people now waiting to get an operation on the NHS? 7.6
0: million people waiting to start routine... 7.6 million people! You know, you notice that at no point, as James O'Brien announced during this pathetic fucking monologue, is that he was one of the loudest cheerleaders for lockdowns. This fuckwit here. This fanny of a human being. He was one of the loudest um, cheerers for fucking lockdowns. Lockdown meant closing down the NHS to anybody else. If you didn't have COVID, you were not welcome in a hospital or in a GP surgery. This is the fucking reason why 7.5 million people are waiting for a procedure. Not because people said we should train our own. Hospital treatment.
2: What happened to training our own? You've had seven years to do it. Seven years! Now, since you got your stupid referendum over the line, where are they all?
0: No mention of um, COVID. No mention of lockdown, which he begged for. He begged for it. He he spent just like Piers Morgan, that shower of shit who now presents for Talk TV. He spent most mornings in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-one demanding that the lockdowns be turned up, that they be dialed up, that they be made more austere. This wanker. And now he complains that seven point five million people on a waiting list is down to right wing idiots like Lee Anderson and, and Nigel Farage. Now they are idiots. Farage and Anderson, I can't bear them. But I I can't bear them any more than I can bear Keir Starmer or Jeremy Corbyn. They're all the same to me. Well, he did. He ranted relentlessly about the fact that lives were being put at risk because we were coming out of lockdown too early. And he has the cheek to do monologues about 7.5 million. Well, that's down to fucking racist Brexiteers.
2: Mm. I'll tell you where they are. They're leaving at a rate of knots. They're all going to Australia.
0: Bollocks. It's time for the Who. The Who. He's another one I want to beat the granny out of James O'Brien. Beat the effing granny. But I won't. Uh So and can't explain on the Richie Allen show. KD has been in touch. Hi Katie. Richie, my friend's son is a junior doctor and has already decided to go to Canada once qualified. For fuck's sakes is KD. Thank you, Katie. And that's got nothing to do with racist Brexiteers. And I'm sure there is a racist Brexiteer somewhere. I'm sure there is a xenophobe somewhere. I'm not denying their existence. But racist Brexiteers have got nothing to do with the issues in the NHS. The NHS has been systematically undermined for decades. Deliberately, of course. Christ. Researchers who have been on this programme have been talking about it for decades. The systematic wrecking of the health service. Got nothing to do with little Englanders. True, tried our own. Jesus. How could it be a bad idea, you know? Train your own, yes. Absolutely. And he never talks, this arsehole, about the brain drain in third world countries or countries where the GDP is maybe not as healthy as it is uh, in the UK or elsewhere. He never talks about the problems with doctors graduating in certain parts of India, doctors graduating in, you know, again, problematic economies coming to the UK to make their living. He never talks about the problem this creates in the country they are leaving. Because he's not an intellectual. I fucking hate him. I mean, I really do. (laughs) But I kind of love to hate him. So there there is that, you know. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Christine was on to say... Now doctors are busy working in private practice three days a week. Again, Christine, yes. Something O'Brien neglected to mention. You know, they're going working for private companies. You know, Christine, back in 2020, when, when it was the shit show that it was, I downloaded an app and I committed to paying £15 a month for myself and the future misses, So that when we needed a doctor... We could get one. I'm not going to name the app. There are millions of these apps anyway. So that we could have screen time with a doctor. So if I needed an, an inhaler, maybe a steroid inhaler maybe. You know, the NHS was so, sh- I mean it's shit anyway, but it was so bad during 2020. And you know what, Christine? The doctors, I, I mean, I, I think I used it twice maybe in 2020. The doctors were, were NHS doctors that were working in the private sector. So when they were speaking to me on an app that I was paying £15 a month for, the fuckers were getting paid by a private corporation and not working in the NHS. But again, James O'Brien and LBC and that shit show, they're not going to tell you the truth ever. You know, I'm not saying you'll hear the truth exclusively on the Richie Allen show. No, you won't. But I will always give you every bit of it. I'll give you every side of it, even the side of it which doesn't suit my argument. I'll put it all out there. And you'll make your own mind up, which is usually Richie's full of shit again, you know. Absolutely. Julia's been in touch. Richie, I did did get seen in one week after a routine mammogram showed something of concern, which turned out to be fine. Thank God, Julia. I'm still waiting for the neurology appointment to come through from referral from last year. So I had to pay £225 to go private. I wonder why I bothered to pay national insurance. Julia, as you well know, because I mentioned it on the show, I paid pretty much what you paid to have a CT scan on my lungs. Because they told me it would be next year. Yeah, next year. Why COVID? That's what they say to you, waiting list because of COVID. And you can't when you've got shadows on your lungs. You can't wait a year. You've got to pay the dosh, even though, you know, we don't have that kind of money easily, do we, lying around? We just don't have it. You know, 300 quid for a CT scan. Jesus wept, you know. I've paid national insurance all the time I've lived in the UK. I'm like, really? Next year? Yeah. And Chris says, and of course, O'Brien, no mention of the thousands of excess deaths per week that are almost certainly down... To the jab, says Chris. I'll tell you what, Chris. I did a bit of digging into the excess debts today myself. I went onto the Office for National Statistics website. Wait for it. Listen to this and I would never omit any information. This is what I found. In the week ending July 28th, 2023, or week 30, 9,684 deaths were registered in England and Wales. Sixty three. Of these deaths, mentioned novel coronavirus, accounting for zero point seven percent of all deaths. Now, the number of deaths was above the fire. Ah, the number of deaths was above the five-year average in private homes, 10.5% debts, ten point five percent above. Two hundred seventy-one excess deaths. Ten. above the five-year average. And other settings were 6.9% above. 55 excess deaths in other settings, 6.9% above. However, because I don't lie to you, dear listener, and I don't leave out the things that don't suit the argument, um, the numbers were below the five-year average in care homes. In fact, 10.2% below the five-year average there were 205 fewer deaths uh, in care homes and hospitals. So there you have it. But in private homes and other settings, 10.5% above the average, for five, the five-year average in private homes, and 6.9%, so say 7% above the five-year average in other settings. So something is going on. But what is it? I don't know the answer for sure. I cannot be, because I'm supposed to be an ethical uh, journalist, I can't be as certain as Chris or I can't say that I am as certain as Chris, that this is down to the jabs. I can't say that. But it has to be investigated surely. It doesn't. Don't call me surely, I hear you say. Amorose, says Richie, I do not own a smartphone. Only a basic mobile phone. My doctor's surgery only has my landline number. So I had one letter to invite me for a COVID jab at the beginning of 2021 and I've never heard from them again. Now, I've never had so many messages come in today, so please do not uh, be offended if I haven't read out your message. I am not censoring or ignoring anybody, I should say. Wayne says, whilst researching health benefits recently, I was astonished that long COVID was on a small list of possible reasons for automatic benefits even if failing the points system. Because the risk of harm to oneself or others, if working, is significant. Long COVID was included with cancer, the possibility of kidney failure, or life-threatening illnesses. Everything possible is being done to keep this insanity going, says Wayne. Yes. Yeah. And on Matthew the Madman ringing in to the BBC to say, I had the COVID jab, got hospitalised, had my second one, got hospitalised. Bayard came back to say, I've always thought that a lot of these Matthew types calling into the BBC shows are just actors. And that's a possibility. That's a possibility. Yeah? I certainly couldn't dismiss that out of hand. Is it Matthew, I had the jab, put me in hospital for a day, had a second jab, put me in hospital for another day. But um, I'm not complaining or something along those lines. Alexandra says, not long ago I saw an ad on a London bus. It was a picture of a smug Asian nurse holding a syringe. Underneath the text said, underneath the image, the the text read, says Alexandra, first COVID-19 vaccination in the world provided by a Filipino nurse. My blood boiled for the whole day. Yeah. She gave it to an elderly lady. It was live on the BBC. I remember it. A lot of people at the time said, Richie, You know, you know the people we see getting the first jobs they've got to be, surely they're placebos. Surely they are basically just CO2 because they couldn't risk anybody receiving the job in public, you know, on telly, coming down with an injury. Maybe, again, no no proof, but, you know, absolutely. Hi to Linda, who says, Richie, James O'Brien needs twatting, end of story. Yeah, but we don't advocate violence, you know. It's better to demolish James O'Brien in the way we demolish him on programs like this. I mean, James O'Brien is never going to consent to a public debate with anybody. I mean, not me. He might say, who the fuck are you? You know, and I would say that this program regularly charts on the Apple's, uh, the, the, the charitable Apple podcast charts. I'm regularly inside the top 75 in the country. I am. In fact, I was number 69 yesterday. There's an interesting number. I was number 69 yesterday you know, above many well-known presenters in the charts, this programme. So I would say, well, don't dismiss me as being a nobody. I might not be on a regular network, but I am doing more listeners and I'm doing more podcast downloads than you, at least yesterday. I was ahead of O'Brien yesterday. If you don't believe me, check it out. Chartable. Chartable for the, ch- sorry, the charts for Tuesday. Yeah. I don't know what the Wednesday charts are because I haven't looked yet. I will probably look a little bit later on. I love when I beat those bastards. I love it. Like Kevin Keegan, I love it when we beat them. I love it. You can tell him from me, he'll be watching. I love it when I beat James O'Brien. You know? Hi to David Keane. Thank you, David. Looking forward to the break, as always. You know? 100%. Mm. Jean-Anne says, do you remember the guy from Scotland read The Weather? <laughs> yeah. I mean that was just fantastic wasn't it Sky did a climate change report two years ago where they went to Scotland and talked about how the weather was changing in Glasgow the weather was coming a bit more extreme in Glasgow and this basically proved beyond any doubt whatsoever that uh, climate change was legitimate and the presenter of the report, it wasn't Laura Bundock, but it was a well-known Sky person, spoke to a bin man and I think a window cleaner. And uh, what they said was absolutely hysterical. And this is what they said, and it was absolutely hysterical.
5: You're born and bred in Glasgow and you've noticed the weather changing.
0: So she says, you're born and bred in Glasgow and you've seen the weather changing. And they included this this wasn't live this was a recorded feature to be played out all day
5: you're born and bred in glasgow and you've noticed the weather
4: changing the rain seems to be getting heavier sometimes you get up in the morning and there's bucketing it
0: down yeah you know we 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 feel climate change here in glasgow because the rain it's just getting heavier sometimes you get up in the morning and it's just bucketing it down and an Irishman would say, you get up sometimes and you go outside, it's just pissing down out of the heavens. So climate change is something to be feared. Isn't it? Based on those two lads there. Based on those two lads there. I am fast, Jean-Anne. I'm even fast asleep. So I'm nearly done now for the Richie Allen show until Monday, September 4th. But fear not. if you um, If you like the Sunday show, I will be with you this coming Sunday. That will return uh, on Sunday, September 3rd. The Richie Allen Show will be back on Sunday, September... Monday, September 4th, you see. Monday, September 4th. Yes, that's right. And I'm looking forward to uh, a bit of a break because the autumn-winter schedule is mental. I mean, when I get to Christmas, I collapse at Christmas because it's all of September, October, November, and then three weeks in December. It's crazy. So uh, I need to be ready for that. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Got some ideas. Uh, things I'd like to introduce in the autumn features and things like that certainly get more of you involved I think on the show definitely I've had some really interesting emails from people who've got books they've published books self-published really interesting books so yeah it's going to be an interesting um, autumn winter so uh, yeah i need to relax but uh, thank you for listening this year by the way when we come back in September the show will be nearly nine years old which does it does stagger me, it really does, because it's been such a busy period of my life producing this programme, you know. And of course, the COVID stuff is mental, you know, day in, day out. That That time has disappeared. I don't know where that time has gone. I remember 2014, putting the first one together, the very first show on a Monday night, on the 14th, I think, of September. And it really doesn't feel like nine years. I've never held a job down as long as I've held this job down by the way. I've never stayed in a job or a gig as long as this. So in September, we'll be nine years old. So that's crazy. And you've um, made it happen, of course. You know, you have. You've listened, number one. And number two, um, some of you have put your hand into your pocket every now and then or regularly and supported it, which I'll be uh, grateful for forever, no matter what happens to the independent media, no matter what happens to uh, this programme, as long as I live I'll be in amazement that we can do this and that it happens because you are kind enough to put a couple of quid in every month, that's amazing to me and I know you can hear the sincerity in my voice because I can hear it in my own voice and I'm not an actor so I can't fake sincerity, if you, if you fake that you've got it made is the old cliche it, it just amazes me that they do what they do with millions and millions of pounds. Producers, sets, studios. We've got what we have, and it is ours. Our studio in Salford. And that's all we have, is each other. And yet we put this on every day, Monday to Thursday and on Sundays. Um, We're reaching ever-increasing numbers of people. It's miracle, or miraculous really when you think about it, but um, it's magical, it's magical uh, for me. It's a very end of term Um, bollocks I'm talking there now but um, yeah, and I'm not really at end of term yet because I will be with you on Sunday on uh, Sunday Morning Melodies at 10 o'clock UK time where we'll have a bit of crack for a couple of hours before I take my leave of you and have my summer holiday. So have a fantastic um, summer yourself. If you don't like the other show and well you might not like it speak to you on Monday, September 4th, but those who do like the show will speak on Sunday. Have a great weekend. Until next time, from your BBG, it's bye for me leaving you with Train.